You're listening to the Scottish Football Forums podcast, the home of Scottish football banter. This week's episode of Scottish Football Forums podcast, season nine, episode eight. Uh, I'm John, and the other John can't make it tonight. Uh, but Chris returns, which is good. How are you doing, Chris? Oh, back again. Had a couple weeks off. Finally get time to do this again, so we're good. Yes. And we have a, a returning guest who was on our first ever episode. Back uh, when Rangers were champions, if you can remember back far back. We were winning champions at the time. He's a Rangers fan as well. So, uh, Scott from the Footy Blog Night, how are you doing? I'm good, how are you doing? Yeah, good. Uh, aye. So just for those that maybe don't know a bit about yourself or haven't maybe heard the podcast from back season one and stuff like that, if you can just kind of introduce yourself a bit in terms of, kind of what you do. Yep, yeah, uh, so I started the footyblog.net uh, 10 years ago now. Um, covered a, quite a bit of Scottish football um, and then I've started doing stuff for the Scottish Supporters Network, so that's scottishsupporters.net, that's in conjunction with Supporters Direct Scotland, so I do at least four articles um, looking at various things in Scottish football, trying to stick away from the big two in Glasgow, um, try and get some national team coverage, uh, and then I do a video for them every every month as well, looking at kind of things in the football with community, um, charity stuff, um, so like that kind of thing, and since I, since I was on the very first time, I'm no longer a Rangers fan um, for various reasons. Mainly, when I started writing, I wanted to become yeah, I didn't want to be very you know, overly biased. So I kind of started looking at all different kinds of games all over the world. So I wasn't really, I, I didn't really see myself as a fan. So I kind of took myself away from that just before the financial meltdown. Um, so yeah, that, and that, to be fair, that kind of hurt me a wee bit because in terms of financial, in terms of the blog and stuff like that, because I was getting a lot of stuff all over the world from America, Australia, uh, Singapore and Scandinavia um, for doing Rangers coverage. And uh, I kind of, but if I'm not going to go to Ibrox and I'm not going to, you know, uh, watch them and it, you know, the result doesn't, bother me like it did t- 10 years ago you know then I, I just can't say I'm a Rangers fan anymore so that's what happened oh well that's good to change that we can uh, we can change that aye that's good uh, do you find yourself kind of fall, like going to different games then or yeah I, with the, the stuff that I do I kind of I'll go to the Glasgow community uh, cooperative league so I see some of those teams and you know I, I did a cover the story about Glasgow Wednesday there's a team basically pals that used to play on a Monday night and then they joined the league and they wanted to make a focus on their, their team and that was to help uh, a homeless charity um, see the invisibles uh, so things like that and it's great just to, to go down and watch that kind of level of football uh, I like going to the junior games and you know you look at what's happened in League 2 with Cove Rangers and uh, Edinburgh City leading up that that uh, league and you show that there's no gap and it's really made that league a lot more interesting with the pyramid structure and you see teams at that level and the lowland level and stuff it's um it's it's great to see that you know once they get promoted that they can actually do something 
Oh, definitely. I mean, I saw Cove a couple of times last season when they played Talbot because I go and watch Talbot in the juniors. And I was impressed by him. And it's no surprise how well they're doing. They've got a, a good setup, and I think they're well equipped to kind of go up the leagues. Well, they've and given then, They've just got fact. They've just got Fraser Five, and I think that's a. You know, I, I, I'm not sure it's 26 wise at that level, um, because I, I'm sure it'll be great for them. Um, I think they've still done something probably in the championship, and I don't know if it was injuries or what's really, you know, kind of gave his career a bit of a stutter. But you know, I think he'd probably still make it in the Premiership had he, you know, kept himself fit. So to have that kind of experience, and you've got. Declan Glasgow on loan uh, from Dundee United. It shows you that they're, you know, they've got good ambition. Aye, definitely. And five scored at the weekend. Um, they won two one against Stolen Albion. So, aye, they're definitely going good. Um, but yeah, I, I would always reiterate for anyone that kind of listens or hasn't been to the juniors or the kind of lower leagues or non-league, definitely get yourself along. I mean, five for one is fantastic when you compare it against what the the Premiership is. Um, I mean, I can come away from the juniors, even if I went for a few pints, pie, half-time, whatever, and I'd still probably spend less money than what I would, would just for a ticket for a Premiership game. I think the last time I was at Pollock, um, Marianas one, it was like £5 to get in. Uh, you know, and, uh, it, that's crazy compared to when I was uh, went to a Partick Thistle game and they were in the second tier. The, the last time they were in the second tier, I know they're there just now, but it was like £18. And I thought when the woman said to me, 18, I thought she said eight. And luckily, <laughs> I, handed, luckily I handed over a 20, because I was expecting more change. But mm-hmm. um, And, and the, the quality is good, you know, that, that's the thing. And I, I like the, the atmosphere, because everybody talks to each other. And you can see people walking around the stadium. They don't sit. They, they don't have to sit in one position. They don't have to stay mm-hmm. in one position. You can go around and give the goalkeeper in the opposition, opposition a rollicking, and then follow them round the next half and start doing it again so you know Aye. that's great that's brilliant. you can't beat the banter as well in the juniors um, the only thing is that you're, you're definitely going to hear it you hear everything um, oh, you, even if it's funny even watching highlights back so I sometimes watch highlights back of games and you'll hear kind of shouts and stuff like that and you go Aye, I know exactly who that is <laughs> um, and stuff like that I've been caught out by myself as well there was a, an incident in the game last year um, against Clyde Bank and there was a couple of Clyde Bank fans but lunatics Showing and balling, and then I think my picture ended up on uh, on Facebook and social media, whereby my, my reaction in terms of my face was just like, what the f? f? <laughs> uh, so, yeah, so I was known for that for a, a fair bit. Um, so, yeah, aye. No, I, I definitely, as I say, I would advocate um, if you're getting, your team's not playing or you kind of fancy something different, there's, there's your team's all over the place. Um, most people won't stay too far from one. Um, so, definitely, yeah. Um, start off going back to the end last week, Europe. Yeah, Very decent two, results. Two decent results, I would say. Um, the early kickoff was in Poland, uh, where Rangers were playing Legia. Uh, nothing each draw. So you're never sure whether that's a good result for both teams or it's a bad result for both teams or what. But I mean, from Legia's perspective, didn't consider a way goal. From Rangers' perspective, it's a draw, so you would hope that they can win the home leg and get through. So, um, yeah, it's, it kind of it sets things up nicely for the second leg this week. But it's a bit like the Cluj situation, though, isn't it? It's uh, you think it's a good result, but you only ever know until the 
the second leg, and it depends yeah. on what team turns up. Uh, Legia, for all I've heard, Legia are the best just now, but one good result, one good goal, uh, Ibrox, and that could take them through. So it's 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 a nerve, it's, a, it's a knife edge uh, that one. I think that that's probably the key point is that Legia. It doesn't matter if they concede to Rangers or no. If it's only if they only well because they need to score at Ibrox to go through, whether that's a one 0 win or it's a one each draw, either of them's results will take them through. So, um, for Rangers' you, perspective, you would think Fr- Chris, they wouldn't want to concede in the first fifteen minutes though, because that would get the, even though, with the three thousand out in the air, even though they wouldn't be there, they'd still be jumping if they concede very early. Um, so, and the Rangers have done that a few times in Europe uh, this season. Um, they've scored in like the seventh minute and stuff. So, you'd, if you were there, if you were Warsaw, you'd think, right, we'll keep it for as long as we can till half time. And I should say, if they score, if they score in around half time, then you, your mission hasn't changed. Um, it's trying to, I think, maybe go with the first twenty minutes and just close up shop and get a feel for the game. I think for them. I think the good thing is that Rangers are scoring goals at the moment, so they're likely to score a couple, at least at Ibrox. Um, I'm sure Ligo will make themselves difficult to break down, but I think Rangers have got the talent to, to get the goals they need and, and hopefully take them through to the Europa League group stages. Well, Gerard's got a very good record in Europe, um, and they have got a good squad um, for Europe, I think. I think they're they're, they're probably more um, suited to European ties and some of the games away from home in the Premiership, I think, uh, especially last season. So I think Liga won't be as compact as a few of the teams uh, that come to Ibrox. So I think, yeah, I, I'd like to think the Rangers will go through. Yeah, I mean, you're right. I mean, I was talking to somebody working with us earlier on about how uh, Rangers probably play better against the better teams because the, the teams like... like, like I'll do respect to them, but St Marin and um, before them Kilmarnock have basically shut up shop against Rangers and tried their best to keep the ball in it. Um, St Marin obviously did a really good job of it the weekend there, uh, but a brilliance was the difference in that game. Kilmarnock, they conceded a late uh, one-off of Rangers in that game, but the, the early goal in that game as well wasn't exactly hard. Kilmarnock probably could have done a bit better in that game, but it was, they still kept Rangers down to that, the, the two goals and um, the second one coming so late on. Whereas if you look at Hibs, who probably had a bit more of an expansive game, or it going down to 10 men, didn't help them. Um, but they just got absolutely ripped apart. And I think the, the, there's probably an argument for uh, Midtjylland as well, having done that uh, in, in the two legs in the previous round, that they kind of tried to come out a lot and Rangers will just pick them off. I think, yeah, I think Jones was an inspirational uh, starter against Mitchelland, I think um, his pace just tore them apart and they weren't expecting that. I don't think they were expecting Rangers to, to go for the throat as clinically as they did. Um, and I think Joe Aribo's quite um, a difference in the midfield for that as well. Gets the ball up further quicker. Um, and I think if you've got somebody like Jones or you know Barker or somebody with pace, then you know that's a great outlet for them. Um, so that's why I was surprised Jones didn't start against the uh, Liga Warsaw, um, if my memory serves me. So uh, I think he went for Ojo and Arfield, uh, was it? So it'll be interesting to see if he puts a bit more pace in the, the wide areas. Absolutely. Um, so yeah, good luck to Rangers. And then we had the, the other side of the, the city was, was Celtic and they were at home in the first leg. Um, 2-0 win. Again, decent result. 
Uh, no away goal conceded. They've got a couple of goals late, so it's not just the latest cushion as well. Um, if Celtic can score in Sweden, then you would say the tie's pretty much done, although we did score, concede four in the last game uh, as well. The close, I don't really see that happening again, but you know what Celtic's like in Europe. Um, but yeah, I think... Don't you think the first 15 minutes is quite the importance in, for Celtic in that yes. aspect? Yes. If they can get the first goal, then that's it done. If Celtic can score first, then that's it done. Aye, but I've seen Celtic get far too many times. <laughs> if they get it, no. other than the AIK might get the, the early goal. And if that happens, then all bets are off. I think their tails will be up, their heads will be down. Um, anything like that. But I think the, the disappointing thing from Celtic's perspective is it was only 2-0 in the home leg. It could have been more. Um, there was a few decent chances created in that game, but like I say, it's 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 a lead, it's a cushion, and it's, it's a good it's goals. a good lead for Europe, a good yeah. lead for Europe too now. Um, I think not no away goals is kind of vital if you're trying to win the second leg away from home. Um, as we know, Celtic can collapse um, in the bizarrest of circumstances. They, they shoot themselves in the foot, but I like to think in this occasion they kind of know Swedish opposition have kind of done well. Uh, in the recent, uh, well, well, yeah, was most recent with Malmo. Malmo, yeah, that was. <laughs> um, but I, I still think I, th- I think they'll, they'll be good enough, and I think you know if they use the kind of um, Stephen Gerrard uh, tactic of try to get Forest, I think away quite quickly. Um, I think that'll be a great outlet for them, and then you know just pepper the goal. But I, I think I think that's enough for Celtic. I think they'll they'll get through. Hopefully, hopefully we've got Celtic and Rangers in the 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 group draw on Friday, I think it is, um, and so we'll both will uh, know their opponents in Europe for the rest of the year. That's um, when they get through uh, before they take on each other at the weekend. Uh, you were talking about tickets prices earlier on. You're fifty-two pounds for a ticket for Ibrox on Sunday. No idea. It's just it's the the problem is that it's. It's so out of control, but it's so in demand that they can justify it because they're going to sell every single ticket for it. Yeah, now, granted, a... there isn't many tickets because season tickets tend to restrict it, and then season ticket holders that get moved get first pick, and I don't know how many get moved too much these days because of the the, the cutback allocations for the away fans and Celtic Park and Ibrox in these games these days. It will be um, moved now because of the the post. separation. Yeah, right. so. And I don't think they can move them, can they? In terms of, is there enough room after that for the season tickets? Is there still enough room to then? There must be, I suppose. Aye, there's, there's usually still yeah. stuff somewhere along the line, so they get a kind of they can relocate the people that have had season tickets. Because I know, I mean, even we used to do that if when Rangers had like seven, eight thousand at Celtic Park, then they had the what they called special season tickets, which got every game except the Rangers games. They would get um, first refusal of the rest of the stadium. That's why you never see a public sale for these games. And what do, what do you guys think of the continuation of the kind of 700 odd uh, allocation? Is it, is it 700? Is it? It's, right? about, uh, it's about 700, 800. Um, I know there's obviously a lot of people disappointed they can't get tickets for these games anymore. Um, on the other hmm. hand, I was always one for advocating we shouldn't be treating any one team specially. So uh, the fact that the allocation that Celtic get at Ibrox, the fact that Rangers get at um, Celtic Park is now the same allocation that every other team gets. See, I kind of like the I kind of like the fact that 
you know, if if I was say I was Stephen Gerrard, I was Neil Lennon, I would put as many fans as possible supporting oh. my team, and, and less fans supporting our team. I would think it's a bonus for the teams, to be honest. I think so too. I think it's you're absolutely right. It's you want the home fans in as much as possible. I mean, I've I've, I've said this about every other team as well. It's it's not just uh, Rangers cutting Celtic's allocation and vice versa. That when 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 you when, when Hearts were cutting Celtic Rangers allocation and Kilmarnock have done it recently. It's, it's great. Okay. Cut the allocation, but fill it with your own fans. There's yeah. too many spaces at Rugby Park at the moment, which makes me think it's a bit questionable to do that. Um, Hearts have been filling their stadium, so you can't really dispute that they've done the right thing there. I think that went back up again, though. After I know they've cut it back for a while and they brought it back up again, but then there's more capacity in Towncastle than there used to be since they've done the main stand. Um, I think Hibs was another one that was cutting allocations. And, I think yeah. Hibs picked the games. Is that not right? Was that not the kind of last game of the season and stuff, they kind of picked which games that they were messing about with allocation. Right, well, I mean, that's what Kilmarnock did as well, to be fair, when they started yeah. it, cut Rangers in the, the last day of the season. So, uh, Like I say, I don't mind them cutting it when they're filling it with their own fans, but when they're leaving big empty spaces, it's just ridiculous. You want as many people wanting to see the game as possible. It looks better on the telly, it's better for the people wanting to go to the games, they can't get tickets. Um, where, do so these, where, where do these Kilmarnock fans go? Like, Obviously... If they're winning and they're, they're doing well, you see them all turning up. But, you know, against Aberdeen, there was a very sparse kind of stadium. Where do they all go when they're not going to the game? I think, the last, I think the last game of last season, though, was a bit of a kind of one-off in terms of Kilmarnock selling out because of the, the celebrations and obviously the Steve Clark situation. Because generally, Kilmarnock are lucky to get about 5,000, 6,000. Yeah. yeah, but before Clark, yeah, it, it, was, it was really bad. And it, but it seems to have changed very quickly. Um, obviously, the European result doesn't doesn't help. I just don't understand how they can't keep more. Um, but you know, I suppose fair weather fans. I suppose that's what happens. Again, yeah, the I mean, prices probably put people off as well. The, the, the yeah, cost to get into a Premiership game these days is extortionate. I, I work with some Kilmarnock, Kilmarnock fans, and the ones that can I, I work with. Or maybe ones that have been kind of going for years, and what they've said is there was folk that kind of went along last year, got caught up in the whole of finishing third and thinking, oh, this is the way it's going to be. Forgetting the fact that Kamara had generally had been just a premier, they've been a top flight club, but they've not really done anything spectacular for a while. Spectacular for a while. So, all of these kind of fans that kind of latched on last season have obviously just gone all well. I'm not interested now, we don't want to do well. Happens with a lot of clubs, unfortunately. Um, but that, that seems to be the consensus. There was folks supposedly in tears after the, the European game and, and all sorts. They couldn't believe what they seen. That's because they bought their tickets already. <laughs> so for the next leg. What's that? Um, I, th- I think entertainment levels as well. They're not the most uh, prettiest of teams to watch. And likewise, I can say that for my own team as well, which we'll come on to later on. That's over to talking about the Aberdeen Cavalier game because it was dreadful. <laughs> Yeah, well, I tweeted, I know. Uh, the unfortunate I, I thing was that was the game that was in Alba as well on Saturday yeah. evening. Aye, I, I tweeted saying that uh, that that type of football would get the game stopped. Yeah. But I come on to it anyway. Uh, and subject to fans, though, obviously you kind of touched on the fact that Rangers having three thousand fan, less fans on Thursday night um, due to what's happened earlier against St Joseph's. Obviously, the SFA were asked for comment. They never said anything. I know it's how you ever thing, but. Um, Steve Clark obviously came out today. Um, he was talking about the fact that the abuse he received last season and saying it as a thing that's not just anything that's affecting Rangers, affect Celtic as well. And we can obviously major scrutiny on Sunday, but 
Yeah. Anything likely to be done if anything happens on Sunday? I think, um, I don't know about Sunday, but certainly um, UEFA has been the one that stepped in before. Because you were, was it 2006? There was the, the thing about the Billy Boys having been scrapped. And it worked for about six or seven years after that. You never heard the Billy Boys at the Rangers fans. It was only after the, the financial collapse um, and then the starting a new in Division 3 or whatever we're calling it this week um, that all that started up again. Because they, 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 they had the, the siege mentality that everyone was against them and then they just they kind of they fought back and the Billy Boys came back. Um, so I think UEFA stepping in then certainly did work wonders for, for, for clamping down on that. Um, the hope is that this one, one match uh, loss of 3,000 Rangers fans um, is going to be the next step in, in stamping it. What is it? Un- unacceptable fan behaviour. I think is the words that Steve Carter used. Um, yeah. So yeah, it's 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 good somebody stepped in. Um, I think some of the we've, we've had the usual what about it um, from some quarters. Um, the problem. The, prob- the problem. What about it is you, you're avoiding dealing with the one thing you're be dealing with at the time, and it's clean up your own act. The, the thing that you've been picked up on. We'll talk but about then, the next act. The next time that comes in. The only the only issue is. And this, this is this is how you know I hear people saying that, and I, I agree to an extent. But the other thing is, so what you've got to to understand is that does then create the siege mentality. So there has to be it, it depend it depends on the situation. For this particular situation, there shouldn't be um, any what about it. This has been over a decade in the making in terms of European football, Ibrox. Um, I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if Celtic are kind of close by and the amount of fines that they've had. Um, anyway, you know, I, I, I do think that both sets of Rangers and Celtic fans need to understand that UEFA don't think that Scotland's a big league, don't really consider the, these two teams to be elite teams and they will punish them because of that. They, they, they have no, no issues with punishing them. I think it's a good step. I think there's no denying that that has crept back into to the to Ibrooks. Um and I think they can't say that they've not been warned. Um, I think the the club made a good statement, but they have to back it up. Um, yeah. I said that um, after the, the the video about everybody's welcome at Ibrooks is that next thing, but they never actually commented at Rugby Park about their own fans jumping on the disabled. Uh, Gantry, uh, uh, rugby park, and I thought, well, disabled people should be respected just as much as anybody else. And you've got mm-hmm. to say, the people that caused that problem are the people. It's, it's not that the fact that the it, 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 it was unsafe. You know, you, you yes, you look at that. If, if the roof was unsafe, you, you do look at that. But the reason why it was so unsafe is because people walked across the roof. Who does that? Who does that? You know. Yeah, why? I- that's the main problem, and you've got to say, you know, if you're going to be, uh, and I had an argument with somebody on Twitter, and this and like, well, there has to be an investigation. I said, well, they've already commented on the, the stuff that was happening outside, the, the troubles, the, the you know, the crowding situation outside, which is fair enough. But you've got you've got to say, right, well, at the same token, our fans didn't at all react well to the goal, and that put people's 
maybe not lives at risk, but you know, you, if you can imagine you can't get out of a situation because you're in a wheelchair and you've, you've got the roof coming on top of you, that's going to be, you know, a hell of an experience. You might not want to go back to football and that's not right. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the, the, the thing that annoyed me about the statement that Rangers put out that day was they were, on one hand, asking for an apology from Kilmarnock without offering up their own apology for what had happened with their own fans. Yeah. Um, so you're right, I, 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 I have laughed many a time at a Rangers statement over the last few years, but the Rangers statement that came out after this punishment for UEFA, I thought was spot on. Um, so credit to them for that one. Because they know um, they have to be. They know that the UEFA aren't going to stop there. So that's the other thing. They know the UEFA aren't going to stop there. And it's going to be a case of the only way we're going to change this is if they stop. And that's the only way it's going to change. And they've been hard-hitting, um, but they, I, I feel they had to be, I think they felt they had to be, because in a business standpoint, you can't lose that many fans and, and it, with the prospect of losing even further, a further amount, because, and you can't deny that there is that thing that takes place, and yeah. that's what happens. I the good thing is that Stephen Gerrard's come out and said that he's saying it's damaging reputation, so hopefully you would think the fans would listen to him being the manager. Yeah, it remains to be seen. I think, um, like I say, I hope the, the reaction that comes after this is the same as the reaction that came after the, the 2006 thing, and it just just wipe it out effectively. If they can do that, then Rangers can move forward, which is great. Um, but the, the, the point Scott was making earlier about how um, Celtic have been getting successive fines and might not be too far away for kind of a similar thing. I think UEFA, they tend to treat certain things very differently from other things. So in, in the case of what the Angels were pulled up for, and it was called it by UEFA as racism, which included the sectarian singing aspect of it. When it comes to racism, UEFA come down very hard on these things. That's why this has been shut very quickly. Celtic's fines are generally for being overly political, um, which UEFA also says, like, it's in UEFA's rules that you can't use like, their um, competitions for your own political banners and all that stuff, which is what Celtic usually get pulled up for. But I don't think there's as much of a... There's not as much momentum to try and stamp out political displays as there is to stamp out racism and other offensive behaviour towards certain groups of people. So I think that's why Rangers have been punished so quickly when it comes to the uh, closing a stand or or closing a a section. When I say to get fined quite a lot, but the successive number of fines is going to lead to exactly the same thing. If you keep doing it and losing the fines isn't enough, you're going to find that a part of Celtic Park gets shut down as well. But Chris, this isn't... isn't a quick decision from UEFA. This has been building up. UEFA still think Rangers are the same club. So this has been building up from, you know, the, the, the Villarreal incidents and all the rest of it when they started bringing FAIR and, uh, into the UEFA kind of committees. So it's not actually a quick fix. They've been building up to it and Rangers had quite a few fine, quite a few fines as well to get to this stage. So you know, that's what that's my only concern for Celtic is if it's a kind of allocation of the amount of fines before they say, right, we've had enough. And to be fair, it wouldn't surprise me if they thought if they thought that it was all coming from one section of the, sta- the stadium, which kind of is in terms of the banners and the political stuff, that they might say, well, we'll close that bit of the stadium just yeah. to try and make a point. I mean, they certainly have closed off that part of the stadium already um, yeah. in recent years themselves. That was that was off, off their own back. Yeah. Um, I think Rangers have done something broadly similar. Like, UEFA haven't stipulated where the 3,000 should be, but Rangers themselves have picked on the, yeah. the Union Bears section. 
um, to the point that they've put out their own statement, um, which the less said about that statement, the better, to be honest. <laughs> Um, I've not seen that was, statement, actually. It's, it's not as well worded as a Rangers statement. Let's just put <laughs> it that way. I love a statement that's ended with a cartoon at the bottom of it. It's, oh. uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's so, as I seen put on Twitter the other day, or maybe yesterday actually, that it's just if you were to make a parody <laughs> um, picture of a logo for what would be the Rangers Ultras, that a grumpy bear in front of a Union flag is exactly what you would go for. <laughs> So, yeah, it's a good way of making a point, I think. Uh, quite a serious point is by having a wee cartoon at the bottom of it. So, I know. I'm, I know. I, what the, the funny thing is, their words are very reminiscent of things that the Green Brigade had said in previous yeah. years. That's um, what I'm saying. They're really not getting back in, and they feel that they try and work with the club as much as possible. Um, and that's understandable, but... Again, it's, it's that siege mentality. Yeah, but it's, like you said, it's a siege mentality, so the, the people are hoping that rally rally around the Bears, or as opposed to rally around the Rangers, which are its own issues with singing. Um, <laughs> the little show. Where was that show? The Pavilion or something? Oh, I don't even get me started. We did that discussion on Twitter, didn't we, about these things. I can't, I can't I, go into them. You, you don't really like the, the these, these shows. No. Because um, I... Like I, I remember getting a VHS of the Celtic story, which taught me about Celtic's history. It's kind of my starting point, and I became very much interested in the history of the club after that. Um, so to me, it was quite a good way to get into that. Whereas, yeah, they can be very cheesy at times. So, there's a lot of stuff goes on around the, the pantomime that goes on around the clubs that I've no interest in myself. So I can understand where you come from with that one. Shall we get back to league action then? Yep. Yeah. Um, Starting with Friday. In the championship. Yep. Morning, party at Thistle. I was looking good for party at Thistle first half. A decent game, yeah. <laughs> I think party at Thistle are imploding everywhere, so I'm not really... Uh, I was actually shocked that they had a healthy lead at one point. Um, I, 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 don't see, I don't see it being a, a bright season in the boardroom. I'm not convinced about Gary Caldwell, to be honest, so it could be a bit of a, a ropey season for them again. Like you say, I mean, we are 2 0 up after half an hour. You should be expecting to go and win the game. Um, certainly, when you get to the last quarter of the game and you're still 2 0 up, there's no way you should lose in that game. You shouldn't even draw in that game. If you draw in that game, you should be shot. So, <laughs> was, 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 it, was it three goals in 10 minutes or something? Three goals in eight minutes. Eight minutes, aye. Like John Sutton scored as well. I, I'd forgot John Sutton was still playing, to be honest. Oh, he came back. He'd retired for a season and he was back this, this summer, so I think he forgot he was playing for a year. <laughs> but I can't... The thing about Paddy Thistle, I can't understand. They're ripe for fan ownership of some degree. Uh, maybe not full-on. Um, you know, when you had Colin Weir, you could have had him backing them and things like that. But this board... I, I, coming back the way they have and it just seems very suspect I don't I don't get where the club's going um, I think they always kind of go for this young manager and I think maybe it's time for a wee bit more experience um, I think Gary Caldwell seems to be good at um, doing his um, kind of speeches in front of the fans but I don't think he's got the same uh, audience in the dressing room I think um it just it, it just seems as if 
the whole club's kind of on a downward spiral. They're not even speaking to the fans about the, the proposed takeover. And when you start hearing stuff like that, it just doesn't sound good. I think that's the problem. I mean, Gary Caldwell done well to get about the relegation trouble last season when he came in. Um, so he obviously did the first part of his job well. Um, but this, like the summer into this new start of this new season, there's too much going on behind the scenes at the moment, Partick Thistle, that you kind of think he's working with one hand tied behind his back. It can't be a good atmosphere there, given all the, the talk of the, the proposed takeover. It doesn't seem to be going anywhere. The fans are getting out annoyed with not hearing anything. The backing starting to disappear with the, the lottery winner, like you mentioned. It's just... it's. It's, it can't be a good atmosphere to work in, so I kind of feel sorry for Gary Caldwell. I don't know really rate him too highly as a manager anyway, but I think um, he's, nothing's going for him here at the moment. Uh, so it'd be harsh to, to, to really overly criticise him. I think I think my problem with Gary Caldwell is just that he's been into the Wigan job, he's been into the Partick Thistle job, and I think after the Wigan job he might have been better off going, being an assistant, being a coach, and just learning a bit more about the managerial role from a different perspective. Um I think he's come into Partick Thistle. Yeah, he kept him up last season, but with that squad, he should have kept him up. He's kind of taken away some of the fan favourites. Do you know what I mean? I don't know if he's how much the, the, the Partick Thistle fans have taken to him. Um, and then, you know, bringing in Kenny Miller, that seems to be the death knell for everybody. So it's, uh, <laughs> it's a bit bizarre. Uh, so it's a shame because I love Partick Thistle as a football club. And uh, the, the last board... Um, I met a few of them and they were, they were very nice. They were, they were looking to go in the, the right direction. And nobody really knows, was it this Chinese billionaire was getting talked about a couple of weeks ago? Or there's, a, there's a bit of a pop, Chinese population in Maryhill, but I don't think they're going to get uh, a huge crowd uh, for, for Saturdays and stuff. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't really understand where that's coming from. So it's just it's, it's, it's that mystery, and you see what's happening in a couple of clubs down south. And as I say, it's a it's a club that would really do well under some sort of fan ownership, maybe not full on, maybe a bit like uh, St Mirren, and or a bit like Carlsberg. But Motherwell is different because Motherwell is now completely fan owned. So, uh, but you know, just the progression. So you take a, a slice. You know, you, you say you have Colin Weir taking over the club uh, financially and then they pay him back and they pay they start paying all the players wages or all the staff's wages and stuff like that and build up on time because the one thing I'll say about Partick Thistle fans they are very loyal and they will dig in and help each other out and help the club out so that's my only I mean I, I, I just wish that they would involve the fans more yeah absolutely I think Fan ownership works. Certainly, the lower levels of Scottish football, I think it should be looked upon more and more as the way to the way forward. Because um, ultimately, it's all about breaking even when, when you're at that kind of level. Um, in fact, it should really be about breaking even at every level in football, but that obviously, it doesn't always work that way. Um, but when you're talking about the lower leagues of Scottish football, you're you're not talking about mega bucks, millions and millions needed to do it. So, yeah, fan ownership should certainly be the way forward. And, like, part of this, so... Uh, <laughs> you said earlier you, you, you quite like part of this. So I never, don't think I've ever met anybody that doesn't have some yeah. sort of... I've never met anybody that hates Partick Thistle. It's like, I, I once heard them described as the cuddly toy of Scottish football because nobody <laughs> nobody hates them. Hopefully um, sorry if I'd been in Glasgow, aye. Aye, because they're, they're, they're always a butt of the joke as well, like Billy Connolly and his part of Thistle now. Thought it was a full name. 
Um, there are things in the championship, so we just give Lawrence Shanklin the golden boot now. Me as well, aye. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Seven goals in three games. Is it every a goal every thirty-eight minutes he's got? Yes. That's <laughs> amazing. <laughs> I was surprised he never made the step up, but then maybe another season there with and United becoming their number one striker and then going up. Quite a big uh, club, uh, obviously. So them go back into the Premiership, we might do actually a lot of good um, that move. But that's just. I still think he would have done all right in the Premiership if he made the step up oh, this season. Right. I think he's, he's certainly getting a lot of service at Dundee United, and that's making a big difference. So, um, aye, I think it, it, it might be a good long-term move, especially if they can help get Dundee United uh, back to the top flight again. And that's his, that's his journey to the top flight. Because then, <laughs> if, then when he's there, when Dundee United have been out of the top flight for a while, but they're still a big club. Yes. Uh, our bros picked up their first win as well, which was good. Away to Arloa. Aye, decent. decent Air, Air beat Queen of the South and then Dundee and the rest drew 0 now. I think it was good for uh, our bros uh, to get their first win. I think that's an important win for them. Uh, and it's good that Bobby Lynn uh, got another goal. Uh, it's been a decade, I think, since he's been playing at that level. So uh, you're, I think that's a, a story that everybody kind of. Uh, likes, you know, their broth story. Um, so I'm glad that, you know, they got the victory. Um, and it takes them kind of up to mid table. It's a, it, I think they're delighted they're just going to run away with that league, uh, it looks like at the moment. Um, and, you know, maybe Dundee uh, will be their, their nearest challengers if they can kind of fix their kind of current issues. Yeah, of course, we've got the. The, the big game at the weekend coming up the Derby the Dundee Derby should point <laughs> um, so uh, that, that should be the I mean it's on BT Sport as well on, on Friday night so it should be a good game to watch it always is always like watching the Dundee Derby so uh, when we see how Dundee are getting on then and just put one shank on this first goal scorer that'll be entertaining <laughs> Friday night in Dundee I'm sure don't get me any of them I think they're already queuing out for tickets were they not is that not Dundee's Twitter feed this morning there's quite a lot of appetite for the game. I would think Queuing all the way to Tannadice. And further than that. It's not really that long a queue for us. Around and back. <laughs> and you've got Inverness and Morton playing on Friday night as well. So two Friday night games. Aye. That's odd. There's usually the Friday night circus of the, um, the telly. The other game's not on the telly as well, is it? Can't, can't think what it would be. BBC well, mind you, what, is it Dundee United, Dundee on... On BT Sport. So I was wondering well, if BBC Scotland then do it. Morton will be in BBC Scotland, probably. Because if it's no, it's a bit of a trek for Inverness. Yes. Oh, is Inverness no, coming Morton, down? Morton, 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 you could, you could catch most of the, the first half of the Inverness Morton game, but then you'd have to switch over. Oh, they staggered as well. Aye, it's five past seven. Because the Aye, it's going to be a off, and then the Dundee Derby 7.45. You can watch like a game and a half, that's not bad. Mm. Uh, League One, I think the big shock there was Clyde beating Falkirk, weren't they? Yep. Again, they needed the victory. Uh, it kind of proves to them that they can compete at that level, so... Uh, especially getting against Falkirk I think that's a, a real coup for them to get a, get a boost 
and then Dumbarton got another good one. Aye, they were needing it as well because they were starting to look like they were struggling, but aye, good decent win for them against uh, Stranar at home. Um, then Race Rovers continued their ridiculous home form with a 3 0 1 over Lintros. I really like that uh, Kieran Bowie, uh, about 16. Uh, he took his goal really well. Nice lead up to it as well with a, a nice 1 2 and a through ball to him. And he, a nice composed finish, so I'll keep an eye on them. Uh, I know. Numbers is a bit of a, a worry for them still in this squad, but uh, you know, if you get the 16 year olds turning up, that's all right. Definitely. Uh, like Jeremy touched on the earlier. Aye, I mean, what you said earlier, Cove and Edinburgh City, the, the two teams to watch in the league, too. The, the relative newcomers. I see Bree Parker doing all right as well. I see Breakin had a bounce. Uh, got their first win with a managerial departure so it was a bit of a howler I don't know if you've seen it from uh, Albion Rovers defence uh, and then McManus did well to get around the keeper so uh, that's a bit of, I keep on saying it but it's, your first win's always a big one you have to, to, to get it as, yeah. as quick as possible so it gives them you know, a bit more uh, hope for the season I think and it gives a new manager, whoever it is, something to work on as well. Aye. Aye, because I know I'm still in Albion and want to try and pick up a win at some point soon. Yeah. Given they're sitting with no points. It'd be crazy if the league didn't have any anybody from Sterling. Uh, which could be the case, I suppose, if Sterling Albion can't get their act together this season. Because obviously East Sterling should run out and then possibly Sterling Albion as well. It'd be strange because they're a big town. Did you just suggest the Stirlingshire were from uh, Stirling, not Falkirk? <laughs> well, Stirlingshire, so same, same, <laughs> same vague area. Um, but uh, you know what I mean. They were a horrid team anyway, so I wasn't actually bothered with them going out. So I was more just sympathetic towards Stirling Albion, who I kind of like. Ah, we just don't go Falkirk, it's not that bad yet. In fact, it's not as thin as we are as well. There are only two, two places above Stirling Albion, right enough. <laughs> I, um, so back in the top flight, we had um, the four games on Saturday. We had the Lanarkshire Derby, which uh, all the talk going into that game was that Motherwell were going to struggle to field the team because they were all ill. But actually, Motherwell were by far the way the better team. Yeah, probably um, not helped by Hamilton having to play a couple of 17-year-olds in defence as well. Aye, and then Hamilton gets sent off, so imagine getting the whole team sent off. Yeah, that joke was made at the football when I was there on Saturday for the chance you got, aye. Tony Stanger's son. If you're a rugby fan, you'd know Tony Stanger. Nah. Slam and Scotland beat England. Nah. So his son's decided to play football instead of rugby. This was a good boy then. <laughs> it was... Uh, I think they said they're all... It's one of those reactions, isn't it? You just stick your arm out, you're not really overly thinking, especially when the referee's right in front of you. It was a it was a slightly bizarre one, but Motherwell were already on top but oh, by yeah. that point as well, so I don't think you can really argue. Motherwell's a funny one. Betfred's a funny one, uh, the Betfred Cup, because it's more pre-season than anything else, especially in the group stages. So you see teams and they're trying to figure things out and you think that team's hopeless and that team's brilliant and then it kind of evens itself out once the league starts. Cause, you know, I thought, by the way, oh, they'll be on for a good season and then 
they kind of came unstuck a, a few a few times. But it was good to see from their point of view that they get back to winning ways uh, in the derby game. But um, I, I liked the long. I thought he was good uh, up top, and obviously Thornley is having a good season. I uh, seven goals already that season. Yeah, he's. Uh, he got a bit lucky with the penalty because uh, the keeper kind of dived over it. Um, but they'll count. So, um, I think it's always the, peop- so the thing about the penalty, uh, keeper diving over it, and everybody, oh, I dived over it. It's hard to actually, once you've made that decision to go dive yeah. that way, you're then ha- it is hard to then try and get down. And so it, it, you have to look at it from a kind of goalkeeper perspective. You're guessing and once you've guessed and you, you've, you've jumped in, in, in your dive, then I think it's always a hard one. So keep it low is always a good option, I think. And obviously that penalty was given for the, the handball, um, which um, they were talking about well, by new rules it's a penalty. Bill told us it was a penalty. Oh, yeah, it was <laughs> he put his arm out to stop that. It's definitely a penalty. Um, the other one, the one that um, Hamilton got at the other end, was, uh, was a Hartley, I think. It brushed his fingertips when his hands were above his head. His hands were definitely in an unnatural position, though. And that's <laughs> yeah. it. The, the hands were making his body bigger. So, by the new rules, yes, it's a penalty. Yeah, yeah um, it, it was a penalty in, 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 the, in the new rules of the game. And I don't mind that. His hands should never be there. Yeah. You know, I, I don't understand why he needs his hands up there to jump. They don't, they don't need to be there. You need some leverage, but, you know, his, his, he was touching the clouds at one point. So, I don't think... <laughs> I, I don't think he can have much complaints. Uh, you know, people I heard people say don't brush these fingers, but then that's that's enough. Yeah. You know, that's, touch his hand. That's it. It didn't much work in this game, Hartley either, because the, the the goal that he apparently scored is <laughs> not for him. He's got cage. It's good. Yeah, it's good. No, is. So. It's uh, not, not for the last time we mentioned that. Uh, who's scoring? Who's which goal today? No, I know. Um, but aye, I think that one goes to Goggins. I don't think Hartley has much to do with it. I think it hit his back, didn't it? Aye. Result at the weekend, Livingston beating Ross County, I think. So oh, aye. Open one. I mean, Ross County. Didn't see that one coming. Come, they've kind of come on a bit unstuck, Ross County, this week, because they went out of the, the Betfred Cup as well uh, last weekend. So, um, there was a thought home game against Livingston. Livingston haven't won away in about a year. Must be able to pick up a, a good one in this one. No, Livingston were uh, fully deserving of this. They were, was it 3 0 up before I've been played? Yeah. Um, yeah. Guthrie's header, you had uh, Wallace getting the second, Dykes getting the third, and then um, Stuart pulled one back stops. before half time. But yeah, they're picking a bunch of stops. Um, all starting for Ross County free kick up the other end of the park. Great break up the park, um, well worked, and ultimately with a strike. Um, first, it's first professional goal as well. If that's if your first ever goal, then well done. Um, so he's, it's his technique and keeping his eye on the ball. Because um, it, it's, it's a far way out from that touchline. And he just kept his eyes on that ball all the way through that flight and didn't get distracted with the defender coming in. It was a fantastic strike. Um, but especially is the technique and the, and the finish. Um, Go back to the first goal, though, that defending from Ross County was non-existent. Uh, Guffrey just he didn't even change his run. He just strode forward and headed the ball into the back of the net when they follow him. You can't do that in this league. The defender of a couple of these goals was pretty poor, but yeah, you're right, that was, that was especially bad. It, it reminded me, uh, Livingston, funnily enough, reminded me of Norwich this season. Uh, I don't know if you've caught them uh, at all, but they had 
Dykes up front and then kind of almost at times three number tens. And they just smothered uh, Ross County back into their kind of own half. And just they weren't, I don't think Ross County were expecting that kind of intense attacking from uh, Livy. But it was it was really good to see. And, you know, it wouldn't surprise me because obviously Holt's got these kind of links to Norwich. It wouldn't surprise me if he's been down there or he's he's taken a, a wee look at that kind of the way that they, they work. Um, but some of the passing was really good, and I think Dykes is, looks like a lively striker. I, I, I want him to be a wee bit more um, selfish sometimes, because um, if you're the number nine, you've got to try and take more of your chances rather than set up everybody else. But I think he's he's kind of happy to sometimes go out wide, and if you've got three guys willing to run into the box, you know that's why they scored goals. I think Ross County just weren't expecting it. Yeah, I think we're saying as well, Lawless has scored already the same amount of goals this season as the whole last season. Yeah, and it, 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 I think that's I think there is a kind of a, a mentality now from Gary Holt is to, to attack more, and it seems to be working. Um, and it, maybe that's because they lost, you know, the spine of their defence and their goalkeeper. Um, but you know, I think it's working. I think it, it was a really good polished performance. Uh, I, I wasn't I wasn't expecting it, and Ross County certainly certainly weren't expecting it. Um, but you know, County just Ross County just didn't help themselves with the defending. It was uh, it was hopeless at times. Uh, and if they do, the, if they, I'd like to think that this is a kind of a, a, a blip because obviously they've, they've come up and they must have done well in the way they've come up, and then they've started the season well. Um, they should have beaten Hearts. Um, so maybe it was just kind of an off day, but if it's not, then they're going to be struggling because that that, that defending is just going to cost them. Yeah, just going back to a point you said, Norwich is that a real team? I keep I keep reading about this amazing player called Timu Puki, and I'm pretty sure somebody's winding <laughs> up. <laughs> it is uh, absolutely crazy. Um, I thought he was going to flop this season, um, but yeah, so did I. I thought, <laughs> last season it was all a case of ah, that just shows up uh, championship for the my nan could score in this league kind of thing. Yeah, but I he's, 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 he's taken to the top flight as just as well. So <laughs> I've just no idea what the difference is. Thank you. It's because he's had his hair cut. Oh, it's the reverse Samson, right? Okay, it's the opposite eye, <laughs> Samson. I think he's just, to be fair, I think he's probably got over what happened at Celtic and I think he's just a bit older, just a wee bit more experienced. They do, by all accounts, from it was a sporting director, they do play to his advantages. They, bought him, they brought him in for the specific reasons that he would finish off their chances and you can't argue with his goal yeah, tally. Yeah. So it's, uh, but yeah, it's, it's bizarre because it's probably because then you can see all the people in Twitter or whatever from down south and they'll go, oh, the Scottish League's crap and you went, well, Pookie couldn't score so... <laughs> He's great enough. Does that tell you? <laughs> Your best defender also played for the same team so it's uh, it, it's it's just bizarre. It's like uh, some sort of uh, sci-fi programme and you're seeing them. It's a bit crazy. Uh, moving on, Hibson St. Johnson probably the highlight of the weekend was uh, Tommy Wright blowing kisses to the fans. I a wee bit overexcited for uh, picking up their second draw of the season. Um, I think he thought he was doing a show in the fringe and he got a standing <laughs> ovation. It was a bit, a bit uh, over the top. But I suppose, see, see for, for Tommy Ray, I suppose the thing is, everybody kind of overlooks St. Jonathan every season and the work that he does. And I think everybody, myself included, thought they were going to be in for a long, hard season. And they may, don't get me wrong, you know, a 2-2 draw... 
doesn't mean that they're not going to be, but I think it kind of proved a lot of people wrong. There's still quite a lot of heart and fight in that team. Um, so I think it's a, it's a bit of relief. Uh, maybe it was just oh. and scoring. was maybe the the thing that just topped off for him. I don't know. But because um, he probably thinks he's going another wonderful goal score run. But I think it's... And they, they bossed a lot of that game. I think people what? forget that as well. I think the, the, the thing is that St. Johnson came into this league season knowing they'd had an absolute horror show when it came to the, the League Cup. Um, when they, they're, they're losing to the lower league teams more than once. Um, so they've come into this needing to do something. They've then got thumped by Celtic in the opening day, so that never helped. Um, but since then, the, they were 2-0 down against Livingston and brought it back to 2 each. They've twice come from behind against Hibs in this game. And as you say, they were a, probably the better team at times. Um, they, they'd had better possession. Himself. Yeah. They'd better possession and more shots on target. So, you know, Marciano should have probably been sent off. Yeah, a hundred percent. I don't know why that didn't get picked up on more. Uh, that was reckless. That was out of control. Uh, he had no idea what he was doing. If that was an outfield player, he'd, he'd get sent off for that same challenge. I don't okay. doubt it. Maybe. We'll make a match like that. <laughs> <laughs> I think what we've seen so far this season, apart from Celtic and Rangers, is there's not much going. To, there's not maybe that much between all the rest of the teams. Aye, I think that's the thing. The, the, the worst. The league table. Do I think the league table do better. Uh, yeah. yeah, the league table is looking very ominous already. I um, think there's a four-point gap between Rangers and second and Livingston the third. I think with Hibs it's it's bizarre because they're very inconsistent and I can't, it's always as if it's Heckenbotham just doesn't know where his best players are and where to put put them. I think Scott Allen is late. That was just bizarre. I think have him as a number ten or have him as a number eight and get him on the ball as much as possible. To have him out wide is just ridiculous. You're not getting the best out of him. And as far as I'm concerned, he's the most creative player. He should be the one that's giving the giving the ball as much as possible. And it's yeah, ridiculous. Maybe get a situation where Marlon and Allen are a bit too similar. You need maybe choose one of them and go with don't it. You, don't just mean in their name. You could maybe then put Allen further forward and have Allen and uh, somebody else in, in the kind of midfield uh, holding roles more than anything else and have you know Marlon being more of a kind of deep line playmaker I don't know I just it just seemed very strange and I just couldn't understand if in my opinion he is probably the most creative player and he's not going to get on the ball a lot if he's playing out wide have yeah, said all that Having said all that, had Hibs actually cleared the lines at the death, then they'd have won this game 2-1. The defense, like the, they had a couple of chances to get the ball clear um, before Kerr put the ball in it that they never took. Um, it was very poor, I thought, right at the end. When you're looking to, to just see at the clock, then you're putting yourself under more and more pressure by these half clearances. And ultimately, there's an undoing. To go back to O'Halloran's goal, Chris, I liked uh, Liam Craig's pass inside. Uh, oh, the the build-up to this goal is beautiful. I, yeah. thought, I mean, um, we've got this pick it out on this podcast this season. We're, we're picking best goal. I'm, I'm sure we're going to come back to Stubbs later on when we come to that. But I th- yeah. one of the things I was pointing out in the our group chat was O'Halloran's. The, the build-up to O'Halloran's goal as well yeah. as O'Halloran's finish. It's a terrific move. The, the, that, that final through ball from Craig was just yeah. majestic. You know, they were all growing about Scott Allen uh, against Rangers. And, you know, I kind of made the point because like, yeah, people were saying that nobody talked about it. Everybody talked about it, and it was a wonderful pass. But at the end of the day, they got absolutely humped. 
Uh, it's very Scottish football all over. Do you know what I mean? We, we talk about one wee bit of skill. And you're like, yeah, but if you're not going to win the games, it means pretty much nothing. Um, but I think, you know, Craig's pass was just superb. It was the vision and just kind of inside, cut, cut open the defence and then O'Halloran's finish was superb as well. So, yeah, I like that goal. And they're still talking this St. John's, they're still trying to get Stephen May back. Aye. <laughs> third attempt. It'll be three years later down the line, you'll still be talking about it. So. Good. Aye. I think the latest offer is um, all the smarties you can eat on a fiver a week or something They kept cutting it. Did they offer him something decent and he nearly took it and then his agent came back? So the second time they came in, they offered him less. Is that worth listening? I, I, I think he's changed his agent. I think it's all I'm saying as well. So. Aye. Maybe he wants to move to get through then. Yeah. Uh, if, aye, want, if, he was, want, if he really wants it, then hopefully it will. Yes. Yeah, sadly, there was an argument Saturday, which I attended <laughs> uh, at Rugby Park, Kamarika, as I said earlier. Yeah. Was, there, was there a game, eh? <laughs> Don't know if I got a game. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, this aye. was the last game on sports scene. I genuinely fell asleep. No, no, <laughs> I had to go back and watch it today. <laughs> I, I, I almost fell asleep when I was at it. Um, <laughs> just, really, really kind of dreadful. Um, Positives to clean sheet was about the only positive you could really take. Bryson getting a few more minutes with Aberdeen, and he looked clever. He looked maybe a bit too clever for a lot of our players in terms of the runs he was making um, and stuff like that. Wilson getting minutes, but then bizarrely, probably our best player in the second half, and yet McInnes took him off. Whereas Gallagher was having an absolute nightmare. I'm still not convincing him. I know well in the season, folk were saying, oh, he looks good, but. That was against that Georgian team who were not that great shakes. Um, Gallagher looks good. You sure when I talk about Kirsty? No, I'm saying he doesn't. Well, I, he definitely <laughs> looks good. But uh, I mean, that's four four games out of the last five who've no scored. Um, pretty fortunate against Dundee in terms of the goals we did score. But is this not just Derek McInnes all over at Aberdeen? The, the, the kind of slow starts, the kind of points of the season where it's just not going right at all, and he's just waiting for something to click into place. How many times can you do that? Uh, the feeling I get, the feeling I get, is that we're trying to play a formation that's not suiting the players we've got. We don't have a number ten, so there's no point us playing three in midfield because we've got no creativity in there. Why not just do what we did last season when we had a good spell with Cosgrove and May? Not that it has been May that's playing, but Cosgrove and Wilson or Cosgrove and May, anything. Just something a wee bit different. Go 4-4-2. Because it worked well last season for a spell. And then he changed that game when Greg Short came in. 4-3-3 at the moment just isn't working. There's no creativity at all in the middle of the park. Because even Bryson, he's not really a creative type material. He's more a type that'll get beyond the striker and get close in that way. Aye, I just don't understand. I've heard talk as well. There's talk that supposedly the new players that have come in maybe haven't kind of sailed as well in terms of the trading side of things. There's maybe been some kind of disagreement with a player. I've heard that kind of thing. McKenna's touched on himself that he says maybe the new players aren't maybe used to yeah, the yeah. Aberdeen. And, but aye, it just goes from bad to us as well. McKenna getting injured because we're already short of centre-backs with Devlin and Taylor been out. Um, so it then leaves you only two centre backs if McKenna's going to be out for a while. And if it's a hamstring, you would think. I mean, a few weeks he's out. Um, but yeah, just total lack of creativity, and that's the most worrying thing. And then talk about lack of creativity, and you've got Kamarnock as well as the opposition, and they're not much yeah. better, they're any better yeah. anyway. 
The yeah, one thing about Kamarnik, I would say, and this has been the same uh, all season for Aberdeen, but far too easy to counter against. Um, Kamarnik, even if they were maybe on a counter attack, maybe one or two players still look threatening. Um, so that's a big concern at Aberdeen, the, the fact of how easy it is to counter against us. Kamarnik need another number. They need another number ten. Uh, a few teams need a number ten. I think in this league, I think Kamarnik are one of them because Brothy gets left isolated far too much and there's not yeah. a lot he can do if he gets the ball 40 yards to goal and he's got nobody near him there's not a lot for him to do apart from you know try and win a throw in or something and I think if they can you know, I don't know what happened to Greg Kilty maybe put him out wide and push uh, Chris Burke further forward or vice versa um, I, I, don't, I don't know I don't know if LSU was just thinking right let's get the defensive side back on track and then worry about going forward. Um, Aye, defensively they looked all right. They looked kind of quite solid again and compact, a bit like what they were under Clark. So whether uh, he, uh, he's decided to go back to that and then see what happens, but they're leaving it late to get players in. So was, uh, is it Friday the deadline? Yeah, but they, they, they work in free transfers anyway, so that's I, I, don't, I don't know if that will really impact them uh, too much. Um, Greg Taylor so, obviously never played, so whether he is going to Celtic, I don't know. Yeah. I've already heard the same kind of rumours. I've heard um, he's been offered down south as well, so um, it might not be Celtic. But they can't they can't buy him down south though, unless they're doing a deal in general. Oh no, it's it's like league one or something. Like the lower lower leagues can buy like I know the top couple of tiers aren't allowed to, but somebody somebody league one or something like that was didn't know. I I don't think they could afford them, could they? They're not talking about well, two or three, that's, two or three million. Aye, they're talking about Celtic. What they're talking about is about a million down south. Because they don't want to sell me Celtic, I think, is the, the key. That's why they're trying to price Celtic out here. But that's, I, mean, that, that, I don't know how true that is. That's just what I've been needing on Twitter. So that's possible. Why would, I, I don't get why you wouldn't want to sell to Celtic. Yeah. You'll, probably more, you'll probably get more money for him. And he's a left-back. A very good left-back, yes. But he's not going to be scoring a hat-trick against you. So... You know, the, the, it's not a competitor. It's uh, in that sense. I, I mean, I, 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 I don't get that from from teams that don't want to sell to Rangers or Celtic. In that sense, um, maybe if it's your number nine and you know you can get the same value down south, but it's a bit bizarre. Um, but you know, the other thing is, uh, John, what do you make of the Brophy penalty claim? Because the TV aye, could have been a penalty. Aye. Sure. Aye. Is that Fonzo? Aye. aye, could have been a penalty. Aye. aye. I, there, I, there was two penalty claims I seen in this one. Broadfoot was claiming for one, which I never thought I had a chance with, but the Funzo no, bringing down Brophy looked a penalty to me. Um, yeah. So that and the fact that Burke wasted a great chance for it on the keeper. Um, Kamarnock probably should have won this game, but. If he had a left foot, if he had a left foot, it would have been 1 uh, 0 right at the end. Chris Burke. But it's a big game for Aberdeen that weekend against Ross County. Are you home or away home? Home. Um, but at the moment you just take any kind of risk out I wasn't expecting much on Saturday um, if it, probably at best I would have expected a 1-0 maybe um, just in terms of both, the way both teams are playing but you know, even the substitutions were bizarre McLennan came on who's like obviously a wide player and was playing like through the middle but uh, just wasn't working at all um, Hedges never came on at all but I don't know what the situation is with Hedges because he looked like kind of probably the best thing with the new signings early on so, I'll right, see what happens. What about uh, Ferguson's challenge? Um, I, I think that yellow's fair. Yeah, I think, I think I a yellow's so. fair. Right. He, was, he wasn't, 
it wasn't malicious. He wasn't looking at the player, and it wasn't as if it was a forearm smash that was going to no. break somebody's jaw. So I thought yeah. that was a fair one. Ah, there's a difference between leading with the arm and leading with your elbow or your forearm smash. <laughs> he he just led with his arm. It was just a case of trying to get position as opposed to anything else. So ah, yellow card was right. The other thing I have heard people saying is whether maybe the captaincy choice isn't correct in terms of when a goalie is captain, but I think regardless of who's got the captain's armband, you'd have leaders all over a bit, so I don't really kind of buy into that one. Yeah, if, you, if you're a cat, if you're captain material, if you're a leader, you lead without the armband. It's as simple as that. There's no there's no issues there. Uh, sometimes it can be a problem. People think they're too much of a leader. Um but in that aspect of actually, you know, whoever who has the handband, I don't buy into it too much. But it's the other days, as you say, I mean, we've had situations before with slow starts, but I think at the moment, there's just, I mean, at the end of the game, basically the whole Aberdeen fans were booing. There wasn't any, any clap. Usually there's at least maybe a few that at least clap a performance. The whole. Do you think it's a bit like the heart situation, though, that you're... You're a bit despondent, but you know you kind of change the manager. Or you know you probably won't be. You they probably won't change the manager. Is it kind of that risk takes away maybe something, and the fans get a wee bit upset? I think the main frustration is that I think we've we've got players there. That I think that are capable of playing attacking football and decent football, but it's just not getting executed. I mean, on Saturday we're trying to play a kind of possession style kind of game, which doesn't suit us. I don't think, I think always on the strength of the has been getting the ball out wide. The two wide players that started in, uh, in Saturday were Wilson and Gallagher. And they were actually playing more kind of as inside players as opposed to out wide. And especially at Rugby Park now, maybe a slightly should be need to deal with it. They've certainly brought the pitch in a fair bit, um, a wee bit as well. Um, but just aye, get the ball out wide and just get back to basics. Um, I've seen it, was it last, last weekend, a lot of, kind of good few games I've seen. It was just simple football back down, getting down the byline, cutting it back, or crosses in, striker scores goals. That's how simple football can be at times. I hate the I hate the inverted winger stuff. I've always I just I don't get it. Especially when it's not working, why not change it? Um, yeah, I think it's got and, its place. If you've got a player if you if you've got players that, that it works for then then kinda of great. Like Candias at Rangers was quite good at it. But if if you've got, for me, I look at Wilson and I look at Cosgrove and I think have them two in the centre, as you say, play a 4-4-2 and put box, balls in the box and I think out of the two of them they'll finish chances. So exactly. it, it just seems strange and that's the thing about, I think sometimes people forget with football in terms of managers and coaches these days, that the more people you've got in the box that can finish, then the more goals you're probably going to score. It's the same. Yeah. To be fair, it's the same with Rangers and Celtic at times. I don't know why they yeah. always play with one up front in certain games, at home games against teams in the Scottish Premiership, when they can be a bit more uh, fluid and a bit, you have a bit more attacking about them. Um, yeah. Something but, they'll definitely get. You always not get enough uh, enough numbers in the box. The amount of times of like one or two, and that's it. You're like, you see Rangers and Celtic, they've got like six players in the box. Aye, and I think that's yes, the difference. Right. Although, although they're technically playing one up front, how often do you see like half the midfield supporting them and the wingers supporting them when you end up with, like you say, five or six players in the box at any one time? But if you think about it, though, if you think about Rangers, for instance, if you've got Morelos and Defoe in the middle rather than, say, Morelos and Arfield coming in and somebody else coming in, Ojo coming in, I would say you're going to score more goals if you've got Defoe and Morelos lurking about there than people coming in. So, yeah, listen, it, it, it works. I just sometimes I think, you know, maybe 
kind of liven things up a bit and uh, play the two of them just to kind of get something going. But I think with Aberdeen especially, when I look at Wilson and uh, Cosgrove, I think that that could work. And you're kind of putting teams in the back foot. I think if you if you go with one up front, you're kind of hoping more than anything else I think sometimes especially as you say if you've not got proper wingers and it becomes a bit you know I, I saw when I looked at that game and I saw Wilson on the ball he didn't ever look in a natural position for me um, it was just the highlights but it, it, did, it did come across that he just wasn't playing in the right position yeah just, we're just too predictable at the moment that, that's the main thing um the other thing as well, Bruce Anderson. I like Bruce Anderson. I think he's a kind of natural goal scorer. Didn't go off the bench. It was all. I don't know. I think. I think the the, the thing about the yeah, the one up front or two up front, what you're saying, I think it could work. It's for me. It's if you're going to play two up front, what you're looking for is a partnership that's going to work. So if you look at like Rangers in the past, when you had like Hayley and McCoyst, it was a great partnership. Or Celtic had like Larson and Sutton. They, they were good partnerships with each other. But I think. If you're playing one up front, then you've got a guy who can hold the ball up and get the other bodies coming in from the wide positions on the midfield. Or, so it's, it's less of a partnership and more of a supporting cast, if you will. Yeah. So just I think that's the difference between them. So I think if you've got, if you're going to play Morelos and Defoe, for instance, then you want the two of them to be linking up as a partnership, or you want Cosgrove and Wilson to be linking up as a partnership. And I don't know if. I actually don't know if either of those partnerships works properly. I mean, I've seen, I've obviously seen more of Celtic than anybody else, but I've seen glimpses that maybe Griffiths and Edward can work together as a partnership. But it's still, I it's still can. not a, it's, I still don't think it's, it's, I mean, it's not a last or a Sutton, but then who is? No, um, that kind of thing. Yeah, you can't, you can't, you can't compare them, compare no. them to, to those two. But I've seen, I've seen the two of them in the same pitch, and Edward comes deep, uh, Griffiths will get go wide and stuff. So I think, I think out of probably all potential partnerships, that could be the one that works the best. I think maybe Defoe has to um, be more of a, a kind of Terry Sherry one. Maybe it's too much for task at this age. Um, but Morelos could come deep as well. Morelos did really well with Kenny Miller up front, right at the start of his Rangers career. That's true. That was that was the the kind of partnership that worked. I don't know if Kenny Miller liked it because Morelos started becoming a bit more uh, of the goal scorer out of the two. Um, but you know, I just change up a, a, a wee bit. I think sometimes for for clubs is is what's called for, and be a yeah. wee bit more aggressive as well. Sometimes, and uh, you know, it's you see you see a, a few teams in the Scottish Premiership. I think are just a bit too passive. Uh, they think that they've got the best one to eleven on paper. It doesn't work always. It work out that way, and no, I think you, that's you need to use your options. So if if you've got your inverted wingers as an option rather than your that's the, the default. Gordon Strachan was terrible for that. Uh, you'd have inverted wingers all the time. It's like no, it's not. That's not the tactic. That's a tactic. Um, again, playing oh. one up front is a tactic. Playing two up front is another tactic. You should be able to use a range of these things depending on who your opposition is and what what's best that week and what what is what might not be working for the first half hour again. You might change it or you change it at sixty minutes. So you should be able to keep changing it about, and that's what can be the difference between a draw and a win and a, a loss and a draw. Or just pick up something you shouldn't otherwise get because you're able to make those changes and use different options. And if you're a good I'll player, back just just play yeah. No, exactly. Yeah, because if you if you spend half uh, uh, an hour of a game playing against one up front and suddenly they switch to two, it's a different game entirely. 
Yeah, you start worrying about who you're picking up and stuff like that as well. And you probably get dragged out into dragged out wide. That's the thing you see with two up front. If you're playing balls into the channels, it's a lot easier as well because a player goes wide and then your centre back maybe goes wide and spaces can then occur in the middle. So I don't know. But yeah, we should probably move on. Uh, Sunday. Aye, <laughs> so games. we spoke a lot there about a no-no draw, didn't we? We did. We Aye. I, was, I don't think we're going to speak like, about Aberdeen come on at all, but we managed to draw it out quite a bit. Like all, in this podcast, we always manage to talk an absolute age about Aberdeen. It was nice to get a word in, but enough for a change. Aye, it's a bit of therapy there. Usually, usually when this gets to Aberdeen, I just let the judge talk. I, I get half an hour, I'll be back. Aye, but that's like the Celtic, we just leave you to it. Just leave you to Celtic. If Celtic it's not as much fun, if I'm, if I'm just talking, it's just me. You guys play off each other, you can go on forever if I don't jump in a day. Yeah. <laughs> but aye, um, aye, moving on to Sunday's games with the Rangers and Paisley against St Mirren. Um, and for the most part, St Mirren did really well to keep the managers out. Um, but as tends to be the difference in these games, it was a bit of brilliance. Um, and in this case, it was uh, the Barisic free kick. Um, terrific strike. Got to give him all the credit for that. Apparently he's been doing it in, in training quite a bit. Um, but um, the, 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 the questions in this game are probably around did the referee give the earlier fill um, now certainly in Hellander's case uh, which was all the talk I heard on the radio about this game was um, should have someone have had a penalty in the first half um, technically Hellander did fill his man it's just a pity Hellander would be filled first um, yeah, so good, good, sp- good spot for the referee I think I think this was a the free kick to the Rangers was the correct decision I think it was it's a very soft. good spot from the referee. I think there was a wee tug and he's tripped him. Because I, I thought when I first saw it uh, live, I thought it was a penalty. Um, and then there was a, a camera angle from behind that kind of was the best one um, for that. But if you're talking about that, then you have to look at the free kick. The four had a handful of jersey. Yeah, so what then... Do, do you, I don't think the ref so, sees it because the four's got his back to him. Well, it clearly doesn't see it because I think Defoe is pulling first and by the, the same tactic from the the earlier uh, penalty claim, you would have then assumed that uh, St Mirren would uh, get the free kick. Um, so, but, you know, these things, that these are the kind of wee things that happen in football. To be fair, I prefer that happening than going to VAR and then oh, you know, five yeah. minutes of uh, absolute nonsense. So, um Great free kick. Um, hopefully for him it kind of kind of spurs him on a wee bit. I think there is a player there. It's just he's been hiding since he joined Rangers. Um, so it'll be interesting to see if that can kind of kick him on. Uh, but yeah, I think by the letters of the law, by the, the the first incident, then it should have been a free kick to St, uh, St. Mirren first. Yeah, uh, for that one. Exactly. I think the the good thing for Rangers' perspective in this is that's now. Two away games I've had at the start of this season. One, they got a late injury time winner, and one where they've not been able to put the ball on the net, but for a bit of brilliance. These are games they would have dropped points in last season. Yeah, 100%. This, this would have been a nil-nil. The previous game at Kilmarnock would have finished one each. Yeah, they've, they've managed to now two away games running, show that they can close a game out. Yeah. Um, and that's a huge step forward because I wrote about it quite a lot last season that, yeah, Gerald's got them playing better and players look uh, a hell of a lot better than what they've had under Kashina and Warburton. Uh, Gerald's got a plan B for a lot of things that, you know, Warburton never had a plan B. Um, but 
the biggest problem they had was they couldn't close out games. And he, listen, he said it himself, you know, if they, 86 minutes, then they would have won the league. But the problem is, because people, people, yeah, people, people, wrong. people, <laughs> people, Somebody people, calculated that he was wrong. people, 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 that's a judgment against himself because that's yes. his job. His job's yeah. the game management and to help the team see out the result. So I, I never saw it as you know the kind of the way Chris Sutton seen it and you know the, it, it last ninety minutes. He knows it last ninety minutes. That's why he was that's the point he was making. And I think at the moment it looks as if the the kind of are grinding out the results where last season it wasn't happening. Uh, I was actually uh, pleasantly surprised with St Mirren. Um, in terms of again go back to the the league cup um, being a kind of pre-season more than a competition, they looked a shambles. Um, obviously, Goodwin came in a wee bit late, but they were very well disciplined, well drilled yesterday, uh, and I think that they could be all right this season if as long as they become a wee bit more attack-minded uh, for the kind of other teams other than Rangers and Celtic. Um, and probably they'll probably show Aberdeen a bit more respect as well. But I think they could be all right as long as they get a bit more confidence going forward. Um, but yeah, the hundred percent Rangers. That's what they need to. They need to be closing out games. Um, they need somebody to step up. If the four missed a, a couple of good chances that the four would usually put away, and if that happens, they need somebody else to step up. And this time it was Barisic with a free kick. Um, I still, I still think they need to have somebody that can kind of unlock these tight defences. Uh, it'll be interesting to see if somebody takes that uh, on uh, this season. If there's, there's somebody in that squad that will do that, um, but you know, you, you can only beat what's in front of you, um, and it doesn't really matter if it's five nil or one nil in the sense that just get the three points first. I think is the important thing, and that's what they weren't doing last season. Uh, Ryan Jack again, uh, quite impressive. So it's. Uh, I also like the Sean McLaughlin, uh, the centre back, is on loan from Hull at St Mirren. I thought he did well. I think yeah. a lot, you know, against the four, he stuffed the four out a lot as well. Um, so I think I was impressed with uh, St Mirren for the the way that they defended uh, most of that game, and impressed with Rangers that they managed to grind out a result. Yeah, I think I mean, Simon, there's a lot being made about their tough start to this season because they have had three tough games to start the league season. Um, but the mentality for Simon in most of these games has been stay solid and see what you can get. Um, worked against Aberdeen, they get the goal. Um, they've obviously lost the other two games, narrowly lost them. Um, the interesting part of Simon is when they're going to start playing teams that are more of their level, so the, sort of the bottom half of the, the, the division. To see how they perform then, because if they're just going to shut up shop against them, then they're going to. If if they can get start getting a few goals against those teams, then I'll be more impressed with St. Martin. But at the moment, they've done everything they, they, right. It's just a case of how do they get on in those games. So against the, the top half of the, the league, yeah, they've, they've done great, I think. And picking up the three points against Aberdeen was terrific for them. And maybe I can dig out somebody as well. So uh, St. Martin, I won't say his name as a director, but. When they signed young Jorkaev, I told him when Jorkaev Senior turned up that I wanted a ticket and I wanted to meet him, and it never happened. So uh, <laughs> that's not been that's not been forgotten. Uh, <laughs> he's a maybe, hero, I mean. Maybe the next time he turns up. <laughs> if he's ever plays again, who knows? 
Aye, so um, that put Rangers temporarily top of the, the league, um, given they played the game more because Celtic were a three o'clock kickoff against Hearts. Um, and I said I was going to come back to this. Uh, why did Sportsing not go back to the Mulroney challenge on the aisle, which was studs up lunging in and he wasn't even booked for it? It, made, it was worth watching in the highlights to then cut to Willie Collum going, oh, well, he's been booked for that. Oh, no, he's not. Well, that, there, was yeah. never any, there was never any analysis after that. That was, the, just, that was the weird thing. Is the commentator obviously thought he was 100% going to get booked and he never even got booked. Yeah. And then he didn't look at it. Um, yet they quickly pointed out that something got thrown in the crowd. They kind of, you know, I, I don't understand sports scene sometimes. It was just kind of um, forced in almost. Sports scene have made a point of coming out and saying we have to start commenting on everything that's happening in the stands, otherwise it's never going to stop. And I get that. I, under, I understand that. And in and, and this <laughs> instance, somebody from the Celtic support threw a bottle at the, I think it was aimed at one of the Hearts players. I don't know which Hearts player it was, and immediately got rounded upon by every other Celtic fan in that section, and he was hounded out by the stewards very quickly thereafter. So, credit to the folk in the stands that dealt with that. Um, yeah, 100%. Egypt's never on Celtic Park again. But BBC should say that rather than kind of shoehorn in something happened, so an object was thrown, and he was quickly dealt with. You know, it was just like you either don't say anything or you a wee bit more about the actual story because I didn't really know what happened until you told me there. Yeah, uh, I, I, I thought Spursy did mention the fact that the Celtic fans had dealt with it. They did, but it was... Um, but aye, you're right, it did feel kind of shoehorned in. You want Spursy to concentrate on the football side so, of things. Um, so, the, so, the, so, so not yeah, talking about the Mulroney book, or the non-booking of Mulroney was a bit odd for me. Getting back to that, I think that was just a yellow card. Aye, I'm, I mean, I'm not saying it was... Like, some people would suggest it was borderline red card and certainly the, the, the challenge we're talking about with um, Marciano earlier on wiping out O'Halloran um, was probably worse um, but I still thought it was the fact that sports scenes highlights picked up on this uh, it was a kind of case of I thought we were going to let's get some replay that showed actually it was worse than it was first thought but as actually the point was he never even got booked for it which was a bit odd Um I must have been in the game that Willie Collum decided it wasn't worth it, as he has a habit of doing. Which makes, I never really see that making much sense. No. I think, um, I think, yellow card, I, I just don't think he, I think he was more in control of the situation than, say, Marciano was. Yes. Um, but again, you know, if, you're, if your commentator brings up on it, I don't know why you then don't look at it again. Um, you know, I, I did actually pick up on, pick up on that as well. I mean, we consider later on in the game there was a bit of a moment of madness with Fraser Foster who has returned to Celtic again. On loan. This is his like, third season he's been on loan <laughs> over his career at Celtic. Um, but he had that moment of madness where he kind of took too many touches and ended up lunging out um, and he was booked for that one despite the fact he made no contact whatsoever. Again, I'm not saying that's the wrong decision because I think the lunge itself was just ridiculous. Um, but the Hartsburg jumped out of the way. <laughs> made sure he dived over it. Um so for that one to be booked and the Moreno one not to be booked when they're actual contact denier, then um, I think Wally Collins a wee bit inconsistent there. Um, Please have forced have been back. Um, if he can refine his form for when he was here last time, yeah, absolutely. Um, he's kind of fallen out of favour at Southampton. Um, we we definitely needed some sort of cover uh, because we've got uh, Bain out for I don't know how long. I thought it was only a small period of time it seems to be suddenly getting extended um, perfectly understandable Lennon said before the game that Foster was in in this game because he's not eligible to play in the, the setting leg and 
on Thursday night. So they didn't want to have to Craig Gordon, otherwise we're doing with knee keepers. So it made, made sense to bring him into this game, even though he was just in the door. Um, but yeah, if, if Foster can refine his form, then that, that's a great signing for us because he was a terrific goalkeeper for us previously. I mean, we all know about his heroics against Barcelona, but it wasn't just Barcelona. I mean, um, the fact that he goes on to later on save a penalty in this game reminded me of another time that we played Hearts and we won nil up, and he got a, Hearts got a late penalty and, and he saved that. Except that time he managed to get it pretty much for a throw in. He had so much behind it. Um, this time um, he kind of parted it in front of him and. And Washington was able to fall on his own rebound. So, um, but by that time, um, Hearts had already beaten themselves. Basically, <laughs> scoring goals against us. <laughs> uh, the, the, um, I was expecting a bit more um, dubiety in these goals, given the, the debate that was going on on Twitter all, for the rest of the day until I seen it in sports scene. And actually, there's no dubiety. Bio doesn't touch either of them. <laughs> the first one comes off... Um, Bera's sh- uh, thigh, thigh and um, the 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 third Celtic goal, the second one that Bio was claiming, was uh, pretty much Halky got the first and directed it on net. Now, let's not take credit away from Bio. He has managed to get two separate Hearts players to put the ball in their own net, sheerly through being just the pressure of being there. Um, so, cre- credit think- to Bio for the performance he's put in, but I don't think he can take credit for either goal. But do you not think it's slightly bizarre that Hearts were so quick in yeah. claiming their own goals? Yeah, well, Levine was adamant these were two <laughs> on goals. It's like, why? Why are you talking about it? That's for everybody else to debate. You should be saying, you should be going anywhere near that. If Bio White someone have them, you don't like your players taking credit for that. But it was, no, apparently, I, I, I just thought that was, I was, I was bizarre that you know he came out. Oh no, they were both our own goals, and you're like, oh yeah, they were. I suppose. I mean, he is 100% correct. But I just didn't think it was really worth shouting about uh, as loudly as he did. Uh, the McGregor goal was beautiful. Um, Reminded me of Alberts of old, uh, nice left foot drive. Um, the keeper was just never going to save it. Um, which again bewilders me why he was playing at left back. Um, oh. um Apart from Aye. apart from Neil Lennon, just wanted to play Neatjam, McGregor, Brown, and Christie all in the same team, and yep. didn't have the balls to basically drop Brown. Um, he took his best midfielder at midfield to put a left back. And I agree, I agree with Lennon when he says that McGregor did all right at left back. But it was all right. It was yeah, the, but it's not it what he could do in midfield. Aye, what he could do in midfield is that that he did against Hearts at the weekend. So, so uh, that's, what, that's what I want McGregor to be doing in the team. No playing left back. Now, I know we're yeah, still but, short of left backs. We really should sort that out before the end of this week. Because uh, what I've seen of Ball and Golly is um, he's not ready. I think I'm going to be generous. Um, he's not ready for the pressure of being Celtic's left back for the well, at the moment. He's the only left back. So what we're going to do? Keep putting McGregor back there. McGregor doesn't work back there. It causes us big problems. We could play Hayes. That works slightly better because it means we don't take McGregor at midfield mainly. Um, but no, we need we need another left back in there. Um, so um, hopefully we'll see movement on that this week. Um, but yeah, just another point on the penalty. Um, yeah, it should have been a penalty. It should have been a penalty because Julian no. was filled first. Yeah. So come back to the point in the Samaritan game that uh, the, the give the first fill. Um, I don't I don't know why the fill wasn't given for the challenge of Julian. Um, but then I mean, there's no doubt. There's no doubt that having not given that Brown then fills his man. So yes. I don't think there's any dispute over it being a penalty. It's just give the they first should, fill. Yeah, 
Yeah, yeah, she's the blonde for a free kick first. Yeah, I saw, yeah, I saw the exact same way. I couldn't under understand that. Um, it's just one of those decisions that creeps into the Scottish game um, because of probably our referees aren't uh, professional full time referees. Um, because you know that it's a silly mistake. You know, you can see it was clearly fouled, and the, and the it pops up to Brown. Brown, as you say, fills him, but that's already after a foul's been made, so you should give it for the first foul, simple as that. Uh, it didn't even seem as if it would have been, it was that hard a decision. Um, what do you make of Ayer at right back? He's good getting forward. I think that makes a, that makes a, an exciting prospect, but I think given the, the centre-backs choices that we have, um, it's... It, it's not as big a loss as pulling McGregor at midfield, but I would rather have Ayer play at centre-back than right-back. But he, he does offer something different there. Um, so I think... I, I think he's our best centre-back, to be honest. I yeah. think this is the problem I've got with it. But I think he, he offers something, quite a lot of right-back. So. Our problem is Celtic, essentially, we know this for a while, are a business before a club in terms of the, owner, the, the, the way that the board run it, right? So if you if you look at that, Ayers primed to go to the Premier League one day as a centre back. If you keep playing him at centre back, yep. if you play him at right back, although he's decent at right back, you won't sell him for the, your, his optimum price because a team probably won't say like a big team won't sign him at, um, at right back because I don't, I, he's good in the Scottish Premiership at right back. I don't know if he could really convert that into to higher level against higher opposition. Um, even against Rangers, I, I don't know if he'd, he'd be as good going forward. I think he'd be p- probably concentrating and staying back a bit, a bit more. Um, so surely it makes sense to be playing him in his favoured position, whereas you say he is the best centre back at the club um, for so many different reasons. Um, but again, it just seems that Lennon just likes moving people around a bit. It's uh, it's it's, it's bizarre that some of the stuff that Neil Lennon's done uh, in the last six months, and again, it just kind of takes me back to why he got the job without even interviewing any of the else. It's just quite strange. Yeah. Uh, was it right back? Was a problem? Aye, again, we've got um, Adam. Uh, what's his face? I forgot. I forgot the right back's name. There's really guy. There's really guy. Al, Al, oh no, okay. Mohammed, aye, Hatem Abdel Hamid. So yeah, aye, we've got him, but he seems to be injured at the moment. So we're again, given that we knew our right backs were all disappearing and we were probably selling our best left back, we seem to be very short at full back, and it's now near the end of August. This should have been resolved long ago. It's just one of the many issues of mismanagement at Celtic at a higher level at the moment. Um, offering a guy the job in the shower. Um, minutes after he's won the, the, the treble that, treble that could be as, his moonbeam moment by the way that could be his you know everybody talks about uh, David Murray um, aye. that could be Lowell's that was ridiculous aye uh, it, it wasn't it wasn't the fact they offered him a job it was the fact they didn't come out and went we never interviewed them deals we, yeah. we never really seriously considered them deals you didn't do your job then <laughs> I would at least have wanted you know what we thought about other candidates but actually Neil was the best one we wanted so we've gone for him if he'd said that it'd have made more sense it's a PLC, surely you want to be get the right person for the job. So if you've not interviewed anybody else or even shortlisted anybody else, then how do you know he's the best person for the job? 
just because he's done it before, just because he's got Celtic in his heart and listen, he has. I'll I, I tell you a story about Neil Lennon. I used to work in the Hilton and they used to always have the the Celtic team um, after home games and before home games. And after every single game uh, for Celtic and Neil Lennon was in, he spoke to his dad for an hour or at least an hour talking about the game. And we both loved Celtic. All the other players were chatting away teammates, uh, chatting away teacher. But he made sure he spoke to his dad for an hour. And it was all about the game. It was all about what happened and how Celtic played and things like that. So he, he is 100% a Celtic man. There's no denying that. But whether or not he's a good enough Celtic manager. And you look at what happened at Hibs. You look at what happened at Bolton. For various different reasons, it's not worked out. But the Bolton one, people go, well, look at the financial mess. He knew, he must have, I knew that before he walked into that job. So how he didn't know that is, you know, he must have known about it. Um, And so that was a bad choice. And the one thing I'll say about Martin O'Neill, especially um, before he started getting, becoming a bit desperate, he he knew how to pick a job. Yeah. He, he picked Celtic because he knew it was he could turn that around and he'd be a hero for life and it was it was ripe. He knew Aston Villa would offer him some money in that first couple of seasons. He got them playing well and into the top half of the, the Premier League. He only didn't have that. If if he's joining Bolton and then has to join Hibs, no offence, I don't mean to, to offend Hibs in any sort of way, but if you've did a good Champions League, Champions League record with Celtic, he should have had a better job offer after on the back of that. And, you know, it's just Peter Lawwell's way that seems to be, I'll do something with Brendan Rodgers, a bit maverick, I'll give him some money. But then Brendan Rodgers wants more. Brendan Rodgers wants to be ambitious. And then he's like, oh, wait there, that's too ambitious. So when Brendan leaves because Celtic aren't ambitious enough, that's my take on it. Then... Go back to, to Neil Lennon, who now has no other option. Neil Lennon, I don't blame Neil Lennon for a second. This is the best job he could have ever hoped for, yeah. uh, given what's happened. And you're like, but is that the right thing for Celtic? I, I just don't think it is. I, you know, I, that's not to say he won't win the league. He might win the league. Quite possibly, he's got the strongest team, so I, I think he should win the league. Whether or not he wins a treble, I don't know. But it, again, it's a possibility. But Celtic should be ambitious for Europe. It's, 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 yeah. And they keep on waiting until they've got into the Champions League before spending any money, and that's why they don't get into the Champions League some years, and it's crazy. Yeah, somebody pointed out that we've managed to get like 100 million for our transfers, but it's cost us 120 million in the Champions League money that we've not made it. Yeah. So actually, we've made a net loss. Because people, you know, they always compare Ajax, and then they'll say, oh, but Ajax has spent a lot of money. And you're like, but look how much money they've brought in from players, okay. as well as qualifying for the Champions League more regularly. So that's the, there's a reason for it. And Celtic even spent a wee bit more money. Uh, and what was happening? Why was Julian not in the team before now? You signed him quite early on in a transfer yeah, window for once. That, that's, and, that's one of those questions. It's like, why did we spend so much money on a guy that didn't seem to be quite ready when we needed him? It's bizarre. What was, what was going on that he wasn't ready? As you say, the. The fullback situation is far from settled. Um, That's the one that annoys me the most because we knew Lustig was probably going. We knew Gamboa was done. We knew Tierney was offers. Izzy contract yeah. was done. So we had no left backs and no. Well, we had one left back who was probably going and no right backs. And it's now the end of August and we've got one at each. And 
and the left back that was probably going was already injured anyway. So you weren't going to have him to begin for you know he's not even played for Arsenal yet. So it's very very bizarre. Um, obviously they got Bolly in. Um, I don't know how that will go. Uh, he, he doesn't seem ready yet. It, but then that's the other bizarre thing. Lennon, he does well. Bolly does well against Motherwell, and instead of keeping him in for the Cluj game, give him a bit of confidence. You, you say him. to him, "Yeah, he drops him." You're like, you like give him confidence. You say that was the best game you've ever played for us. Now do it again. Yeah. But no, he, he drops him just as I say to fit what it looks like Brown into the team when Brown should be probably getting phased out now. I think you'd be scared to play ball. A wee bit, because we're pretty, about an hour and a half just now. Just we're going to move on to the, yeah. <laughs> the preview of the weekend. This is, this is what happens when you get somebody like Scott on who no, really knows his stuff compared to yep. me. I'm just sitting <laughs> just back listening to the two of you. Because you've had a break for two weeks, so you've got plenty to say. I'm just sitting back just listening. I, I've, I've been on this podcast for almost eight years. I've been winging it every single year. <laughs> <laughs> so Scott, Scott takes an eight-year break and he's fine. <laughs> <laughs> I just like talking, so just shut me up whenever you want to. No, it's all good. Aye, their upcoming game in Rangers Celtic. Where's it going to go? Uh, the bookie suggests the Rangers win. Um, I, I think it'll be tight because I think it well, was obviously both teams have got a hundred percent record after three games. Um. Hopefully both teams are coming off the back of uh, success getting through to the group stages of Europa League. Um, the last twice it's certainly been Ibrox and Rangers have won. Um, prior to that, it was a bit of a, a bit of a snow apart for Celtic. Um, but the, the Stephen Gerrard put in to end an end to that. So I think um, Rangers are probably rightly favourites to be. Fair. Um, I think but, the thing is you can probably pick roughly what the Rangers team will be, whereas the Celtic team. It's it depends what it is. Because that's the thing, the last twice we've been to Ibrox we've played McGregor left back and it's worked as well as you'd expect. It hasn't. Um, yeah, I, I, I wouldn't like to predict exactly what the score's going to be in this one, but I mean... Avengers the games are always hard to predict. A draw wouldn't surprise me. Uh, I say it's always been hard to predict. It's not, under Brendan Rodgers it's pretty simple, to be honest. Um, but I think Thursday night is actually going to be very key to it, or it could be very key to it. I think if one of them gets put out, then that's it. All the, that you know that could lower your confidence um, significantly, especially if Rangers lose at home. Then that just opens it up for Celtic, as far as I'm concerned, in terms of you just lost in your own pitch. You're now having to try and go again, um, and because they drew nil nil, they can't really rotate too much. Um, so you'll see, I'd imagine Morelos going back into the team, um, Ojo go back in. So you'll probably have to play their first 11 in that game. And then how does that impact on Sunday? Uh, who does he pick up front on Sunday? That'll be an interesting one. I'm kind of leaning towards Defoe, um, but we'll wait and see. I think Rangers will fancy it. I think that's the first time... I think for a long time they'll probably fancy it as much as they, they will uh, this Sunday, but sometimes that's a, a mistake and you, you, you get caught. Um, and, you know, again, Celtic might feel they've got something to prove and they might want to kind of put Rangers in their place as they see it. So I, I wouldn't be overly surprised if it's a score draw. Yeah, that's what I, I reckon that's probably my uh, 
fence-sitting <laughs> prediction <laughs> uh, but aye, I would agree I scored draw would not surprise me in the least I think that what you're saying though about the if one of them goes out of Europe altogether then what's left need to win the league so maybe that drives you on even more in, in, in this game on Sunday if you go out no, I think I think that will maybe work in the long run, but not instantly uh, against each other on Sunday. Um, it, it, all, listen, it all depends how you go out as well. If you get absolutely gubbed, um, then you know Aye. that could be a, a, an issue. Um, I think in the long run, it might suit a team. Uh, for instance, if Rangers get put out and Celtic don't, then Rangers might uh, prefer it that way. But I think. Um, I think if both go through, I can see it being a, a probably a score draw. If I had to pick one, I'd pay Rangers. I think a score draw. I agree with that. If I said that, and then you said that was sitting in the fence too much. I know, I know, I, I said I know, but I'm sitting in the fence as well. So it's fine. It's definitely the hardest for that for a while. And we can agree on that. Yeah, I, I mean. The last game at Ibrox, the one last season, I thought it wouldn't surprise me if Rangers won that one, um, just because we'd been kind of stumbling it quite a bit under Lennon. Um, but aye, prior to that, I, would, I was usually expecting Celtic to beat Rangers, to be honest. Um, but this time, yeah, I think I'm, I'm sticking with Scott Draw. I think it's, <laughs> I think we're going to be this season is going to come down to how these games go. Looks, that's already screaming at me in that league table, given that the, the other teams are all taking points off each other. So it's going to be either what you drop against the other teams or how these games go against each other. Yeah. One thing we can be sure of, though, is the game should be shorter than this podcast. <laughs> we're, into, we're into stoppage time here. We're actually extra time penalties. Just about, but aye. So. <laughs> Somebody has to edit down then. No, that's not just good as it is. Aye, just, <laughs> week. It's worth listening to last week, though. Aye, definitely. It's always good to get a guest on as well. That, which is good. Good to have you back on, Scott. Hopefully you all. Great, great to be on. Thank you very much for having me. Yeah, it should be fine. Yeah. Right, yeah. There it is. Always welcome. Aye, we'll be back next week. Probably a lengthy one next week as well because we have the Scotland chat as well. Yes, we've got a. We're too early to talk about the, the Scotland game. You'll be glad to know because we're running out of time. <laughs> but uh, yeah, the um, squad gets announced tomorrow as we're recording this. So One thing I have seen is Ryan Jack looks like he's going to be called up. Ah, he's probably uh, lost up at this point. That doesn't surprise me. I think he's probably earned it. Uh, I don't think he'll start, though. I, th- I don't think he's, he's, uh, I think he's still behind quite a few in that regard. Oh, I'm going to save my Scotland chat for next week because Aye. I don't want to end a miserable note, to be honest. <laughs> yes, likewise. So, aye, no, cheers again, Scott. And, Thank uh, you very much. Good to have yep. you back on as well, Chris, after your two-week break. Aye, it's been good to be back. Uh, so, again, thanks to Scott for coming on. Thanks to everybody for listening. Thank if you've you. made it this far, hope it was as interesting as we've enjoyed it. Uh, and we'll talk to you all again next week. Cheers, guys. Cheers.